Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. I'm going to start this uh, series, and I'm calling it uh, Removed. And uh, I think you'll understand the gist of that. Um, the word removed means distant in, rela- in regards to relationship. You know, it's like... Um, you ever have somebody say, I'm related to that person, and they go, well, how? And you, you go, well, I'm a cousin, second cousin twice removed. That means they're a distant relative. But it's a, still some sort of connection. You know, I, I, took, I took the ancestry DNA test, and I've heard all my life, you know, I was told, and I believed it all my life that I was Indian, American Indian, Cherokee Indian. I was told... My grandmother was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. So I went ahead and paid the money and had the ancestry DNA test last month. And I got the results back and I found out I have absolutely no Indian in me. I mean, the DNA doesn't lie. I was ticked. That means I'm not going to get any land. It means I don't get a casino. That means I got no Indian in me. What I did find out is I'm 80% great from Great Britain. That's what I said. Wow, what's, what's that all about? But it was quite interesting, and I got into all that. But, but you know, I, have, I actually have relatives by the name of Hendon in London. And um, I didn't know that. And uh, they're distant relatives, probably 14 cousins twice removed. And so, but they're relatives nonetheless. There's a bloodline connection. I want to talk to you today about removed and why this is important. And uh, I want to I start in the book of Galatians. And uh, this is a book that uh, is a, a tremendous book for a, a, a great study. And, um, and, it, and it has within it tremendous truth, and, and I'm just going to take a couple of verses here this morning. In Galatians 1, verses, start with verse 3, it says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father. This was a typical greeting from the Apostle Paul. And it says, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace and peace to you. From God the Father, or Paul's writing to the Galatians, he says, hey, the Father says hi. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got a message for you, and then he identifies this Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, who gave himself for our sins. So he's talking about that Jesus. He's talking about a specific Jesus who did a specific work for us. Who gave himself for our sins? Jesus gave himself for our sins. There was a price and penalty for our sins. You and I cannot pay this penalty. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We understand that. But what we do is we tend to try to go about making amends with God by works. 
Most of religion is how man is trying to get to God. But the gospel is not how a man gets to God. The gospel is how God got to man. And so he says, he gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God. So here's the will of God. And people are like, what is the will of God for my life? The will of God is that you get delivered from this present evil world and come into Jesus Christ. And he says that this is according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now what I want to do is take a minute and show you how in moving with God, what this word deliver means because it's important as we get into the idea of being removed. The word deliver in the Greek means to pluck out, to draw out, to rescue. And see, for many of us, we think of salvation as when we simply, um, I, can I, I want to I kind of illustrate this. I don't know if this will work. I've never, I don't ever get to practice this. But how many of you feel adventurous this morning? I need somebody who needs to be delivered. Anybody need to be delivered? Nobody needs to be delivered? I need somebody demon-possessed. Come on. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got to set you up. Here's precious Kathy. At least she, had, she admitted the fact I need. See, here's the thing. We're all in this boat together. We all need to be delivered. Every one of us need to be delivered. Jesus did not die for you just to get better. He didn't die and pay this price so you could get an enhanced life. He came and suffered and died so you could get a life that was completely set free. And so his means to do that is to, is to deliver us. So Kathy, stand right here in this place because here you are, yeah, no, face them. And so here you are in this place of, we're going to call this the present evil world. The present evil world is right here. Okay, you with me? All right, now I need Jesus. Who, need, who wants to be Jesus? Come on, Sam, you be Jesus. Yeah. You were so quick to volunteer. She's my grandma, And you're going to, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to deliver grandma. So here's Jesus. And, <laughs> geez, and, and it happens to be his grand, the grandson of Kathy. Isn't that awesome? They're, re, they're related. This is getting better. I didn't even plan. But see, but how many people are living their lives not even knowing their, their DNA? They don't know their relation to God. And so they're living like orphans bound to a system that they don't even understand what's going on. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and he says to, to, to us, I want to deliver you. Now look at what it says, to pluck out, to draw out, to rescue. So salvation for many is like people think, well, 
you know, I'm just going to kind of mosey on over to mosey on over to Jesus over there. And they go, well, you know, that's salvation. Now, how many of you by how many of you by watching that realize that was way too easy? Come come back over here because that is not what this that is not what this looks like. So the Paul said, remember, he says to deliver us from this evil age. That's the word world there. It's not the word cosmos that's translated in other places like John. It's the word aeon. It's the word for, um, it's the, word for uh, the age, the spirit of the age. You with me? I'll explain that more in a little bit. So what this really looks like then is that in the world system, we get caught up in a world system now I need, some, I need some obstacles. I want all y'all in the front row to come on up here. Y'all are all obstacles. Surround this, surround this frail, weak. I need some more obstacles. That's not enough. How many of you know there's more obstacles than this? I mean, there's family. There's work. There's inner turmoil. Yeah, just... So like there's, there's our past, there's our hurts. I mean, we could name all these, we could name all these obstacles and you can, but you get the drift is that these are the things that accompany the spirit of the age. Now surround her. Crowder, yeah, because that's what happens. It kind of gets crowded. Your life, when you get to, when you get to a place how many of you got, had to get really a sense of crushing? Remember what we were singing about? How many of you had to get to a sense of crushing before you would even cry out to God? Because you thought, well, you know, this is life. And, but, and the more things, the more things, are y'all listening to me? The more things press in. The more things press in. <laughs> got to follow these cues here. The more things press in, press in, the more aware we become of how life is crushing us. And then all of a sudden we realize, I need, a, I need freedom. I need to move out of this place. I need to get out of this place. And, but the problem is on our own. Go ahead, get out. Don't let her out of there. She's like 100 pounds soaking wet. Well, we're not going to give the actual. You're 35 years old and 100 pounds. So here we go. You see what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is for many, for many of us, you know, we approach this so casually and we even go to church and we, we subscribe to good uh, habits and we think well all this stuff is going to help me but it's the world's still crushing in many of us too we we think if all i need is to i just need to make a few adjustments but we we stay in this realm right here and no matter what you do in this realm there's something or some force that's pressing in on you and oppressing you and and trying to distress you and and trying to essentially hem you in you with me and you cannot get, let me tell you something. I just want to make this easy for everybody right now. You cannot deliver yourself. You cannot 
deliver yourself. For many, the gospel is a self-help program, and they are preaching a gospel that all you need to do is do a little better or try a little harder. But you cannot do a little better and try a little harder and get out of this mess. Something has to happen. Something has to deliver you. Thanks be unto God who delivered us. So what Jesus does, Jesus, are you ready? Get this. Jesus is going to pluck her out. He's going to draw her out. He's going to rescue her. And you see, the gospel is how God moves us from bondage, from being pressed in, from being hemmed in. The gospel, that's why I'm so happy today. I'm sorry, if if I make you uncomfortable because I'm a little loud and I'm a little exuberant, You see, I remember what it was like to be hemmed in here. I remember what it was like when I couldn't even breathe. But now I can breathe again. Now I can live again. Now I can walk again. Now I can shout again. Hallelujah. Y'all get out of here. I don't like any of you. You Was you getting hot in there? That's a lesson in there, too. (laughs) Are you with me this morning? And so the gospel is how God removes you from your bondage into freedom. Hallelujah. I wish we could just say amen and go home now. But see, the message I came to preach to you is in the next verse. It's in the next verse because it's tied directly to this verse, but it unveils something that I I feel like I need to address this morning. So I I told you I'd explain more to you about that group of, of, of people, and they're not people, the things generally. I mean, people can be attached to it, but our, our, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You understand that? but against principalities and powers and those things, they represented things. Now here's what they represent. Here's what Trent says about this word. And it says, all that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims. A maxim is like a saying, you know, if it feels good, do it. That's a maxim. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. That's a maxim. Don't judge me. That's a maxim. That's the, there's all kinds of maxims that are in our culture and in our world, and we buy into them like they're, like they're truths. The maxim that says you'll never break out of your socioeconomic stratus because people tend to die where they're in, that, in the sphere that they're born. They're born on the wrong side of the tracks. And, I mean, we have all these these opinions and maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations, at any time current in the world, which may be impossible to seize and accurately define. What that means is a lot of these are attitudes. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to grab hold of an attitude because it's it's, 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 it's just in the air. It's just 
an added a spirit. There's there's a certain sense of 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 antichrist sentiment that's loose in our world. It's funny how you can be you can be almost anything in the world and be accepted, but the moment you say you're a follower of Jesus, you're a freak. Hello. And so it's impossible sometimes to, to seize and accurately define them like what you're up against because many, how many of you have fought things and you didn't really, couldn't even hardly identify. You just said, there's just something, I just something not right here. Maybe it was an, a spirit, something on your job, something in people that you ran up against, something in one of your family members. And you said, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but there's something really wrong here. And so that age, the spirit of the age, is, is, what's, is, is what we're dealing with. We'll deal with this more uh, next week, but I just wanted to give you this because it says, by which we constitute a most real and effective power. This stuff has a power. It has influence. People get influenced by these things and influenced by the world, and we get pressed and hemmed in, and we all, we're all have to live in this realm, and yet... There is a way out of it, but if you're not delivered, what you end up doing is you try to live a life within that and try to make peace with it, but you can't make peace with that spirit or that age. He says it may, the power being the moral or immoral atmosphere. See, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily completely evil. It can give the appearance of this is a good thing. But it's, it's godless. Listen to me. If it's a, Adam and Eve weren't tempted with just the tree of evil. It was the tree of good and evil. And if, it, if it's good but it's without God, then it's not really good at all. Even though it may look moral. If it's godless, it's antichrist. Why y'all looking at me like this? This is what we're facing. This is what we as Christians are living in. We're, we're living, in, 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 and we're blessed in this country. I'll tell you, uh, you can say what you want, and, and I'm just going to say this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the kingdom of God, but, but, but my citizenship is in heaven. But of all the countries in the world, America still is the one place where you still have the freedom to choose your choices, and in a lot of places, you don't get that liberty. And so all this anti-Christ thing and anti-America thing and anti-God thing, it had, listen, if I took this definition, I could take this same definition and flip it and say that the kingdom of God is a mass of thoughts and opinions and maxims, speculations and hopes. Do you see the kingdom of God has its own thinking? It has its own maxims. It has its own reality. Are you with me? These two kingdoms are clashing. The cultures are clashing. What you're seeing is, is two, two different cultures that are fighting 
We need, to, we need to get honest about this. We need to get real about it. We need to equip our young people how to navigate through all this because they're being impacted by this culture and this stuff, and we need to bring them to the kingdom of God. Are you with me this morning? Because when you got delivered out of this present evil age, you got brought into the kingdom, and now you're subject to a whole different set of opinions and maxims and hopes and impulses and so on. And so, you see, this is where Paul says, I thank God that you've been delivered from this present age. That's what you were delivered from, the thoughts, the opinions, the maxims. Are you with me? You still with me? All right, so here, let's go on to the next verse because this is what I wanted you to see. I marvel that you are so soon removed, everybody say removed, from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The word another there means not one like, like in, in the same, but a completely different gospel, a completely different message, a complete opposite than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed. The word removed again means to be, <laughs> to be pulled out from. And he says, I marvel that you have been removed to another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, the troubling, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So what this word means is how that you are brought to a change of sides. So what I did is, I thought I'd put this on a graph. I know that I never have done this either. But I'm doing a lot of things I've never done. And it seems to be working. Because if you look at the, the purple line, I guess that's purple. I don't know, whatever it is. Let's not get in an argument. Magenta. What is it? Somebody tell me. Is it purple? Fuchsia. Fuchsia. Thank you, Terry. So if you look at the, the fuchsia line, <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. That, is, that so, sounds so terrible. What color is that shirt you're wearing? Fuchsia. <laughs> Let's say purple. But we, I want to read 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's like one of my life verses. I mean, it's a verse that, you know, that God has used so powerfully in my life. I've preached this more times than probably any. Uh, there's two particular passages. This one in Philippians uh, I think it's 318 that I've preached probably more than any two verses in the Bible. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. The glass is a mirror. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We have to look at the glory. We have to look at Jesus. Look to Jesus and look, at, look in the mirror and behold the glory of the Lord. When you look, you're changed into the same image. 
It's that whole message of behold, become. Whatever you behold, you become. If you get your eyes on Jesus, you'll become like him. That's the challenge of, of this. Once you get delivered is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, the pull of the world will pull you back and you'll be removed from him. But I marvel that you're so soon removed from him. Removed from him. How do we get removed? We get our eyes off him. Paul said we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. So what that purple line represents is how God ordained the Christian life to be a, a, a life of transformation that goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. That it's a, it's a constant growth. It's a constant upward trend that goes constantly upward closer. You should be closer today than you were yesterday, closer this month than you were last month. Are you with me? But that's not usually how it works in the reality. In the black line there is, is more how we live our Christian life. If you start over on the left, we come into that place where we get delivered. And we get delivered and we have this encounter with Jesus. And then all of a sudden we shoot up because our life is so changed. Our life is so redeemed. Our life is so tr uh, tremendously transformed. We, we just shoot up. And, um, and man, it's, it's like when we get up there, life is so different, man. We love everybody. Remember when you first got saved, how you just loved everybody? You, you did, right? Remember how when you first got saved, you'd do anything? That's why the, all you new believers, when you first get saved, we're going to ask you to work the nursery. Because when you're first saved, you'll do anything. Yeah, I worked the nursery when I first got saved. In fact, I worked everything. I mean, I was in a church with a bunch of old, dead, dried up, mossy back hypocrites. Mossy back. And man, and we, me and Terry come in, and next thing you know, we're teaching and everything. We're doing this. We're doing that. One day I looked around, and I said, how do we get with all this? And my wife said, because you don't ever say no. I said, well, how do you say no? I mean, I just love Jesus and everything they do. You see, when you, when you first get saved, you just say yes. Then all of a sudden you get a few miles on you, you start, nah, 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 nah. All of a sudden that sheep spirit turns into a goat spirit. And people say, would you do this? And you say, I'd love to, but. Do we need to really go there? Because some of y'all, that's, that's the whole trouble you're having right now, is you, you shot up in your Christian life, and then some things have happened to you along the way, and you've just given up ground, given up a little here, given up a little there. You got a little wounded once by somebody. You got your underwear in a bunch over somebody saying something, excuse me, because you know it's true. And you got your feelings hurt because the pastor didn't do this, and the pastor didn't say that, and now all of a sudden you just keep pulling back, pulling back. Your, your Christian life gets down. Down, down, down. Then you find a comfortable place where you can plateau and where you can just come and do your little thing and say, well, you know, I go to church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you're not excited. You're not turned on. You're not on fire. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no real victory. But I go to church. Is this too hard? 
You know, that, that's how it works for us. And, and then when you start going on the downward trend, you know, then all of a sudden a lot of those little things that you struggled with over here, remember when, when Kathy was struggling over here, all of a sudden when you start drifting back, because see, there's, in the Christian life, there is no standing still. There is no such thing as a plateau in the Christian life. You're either moving up or you're moving back. You're either, you're either front sliding or you're back sliding. Then you get in that little plateaued area, you start opening the door back to things that you knew that were troubled you, that you had victory at one time over. Boy, I'm a, I'll tell you something, it can get as quiet as a, as a Methodist church in here. I'm going to tell it like it is. You start opening the door, compromise comes. Pretty soon you're smothered back in this thing. But I go to church. But see, the very fact that you're in church is, is, is undercut by the fact that you're back hemmed in, pressed in. You're back needing to be delivered from some things because you've opened the door and moved backwards. And you see, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him. Because if you're close to Jesus, you know how this works. Come on, church, you know when you're close to Jesus, you don't toy around with, with, with the devil. You know, when you're close to Jesus and you're just in love with him and your heart is on fire, you don't play cat and mouse with sin. You don't see how close you can get to the line without stepping over because all your passion is, I got to get closer to Jesus. I got to get closer to Jesus. I know people want to say, you know, Pastor Mike, this is all good because, you know, but that's because your generation, that's how y'all did it. But now this is a new day, and now it's, now it's a millennial generation. Well, let me tell you something. The truth is eternal. And the same truth that worked for, for the baby boomers is the same truth that works for millennials. And the same, oh, what are y'all called these days? What do they call y'all? What, what is it? Rugrats? No, it's not Rugrats. They got a name for them too. I forget what it is. What is it? What is it? Gen, Gen X? Yeah, whatever. See, it's the same principle. Because if you keep going after God, God will keep drawing you in. You'll go from glory to glory. Your life will be blessed, increased. Your life will become fruitful, joyful, powerful. And if you don't, you get weak, you start opening the door to things, and you get, you get tore down. And before you know it, there's a, there's, a, there's a compromise and a conflict with what you once walked in and what you're walking in now. There be some that trouble you. The word trouble there, really, it, 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 in the King James, it says that perverted you. What a perversion is, is, it, is it's when something has this intention or this purpose, but it begins to be used for something else. That's a perversion. The gospel is about freedom. Freedom is about actually being free. And the gospel is so that we can become the bearers of freedom. And the same freedom that Christ has made us free, we should be extending to others. And you know, I'm, I'm all about it. I, I'm offering people freedom. Listen to me. I am offering people freedom. 
But I can't give people what I don't have. And so I'm going after that same freedom. I want to be free from every influence, free from every maxim, free from every attitude, free from every spirit, free from everything that the enemy would try to. And listen, that's a a full-time job right there. Are you with me? Removed. I marvel you're so soon removed. Uh Uh-oh. So here's removed means to exchange. Literally, in the, in the Greek, the word remove means to change sides. So you get the idea? So here we were over here, and, and when we got delivered, we changed sides. We changed teams. I was playing for a loser over here. But then I got put on the winning team over here. And I need to stay on this winning team with a winning leader and a winning savior and a winning gospel. Because if I don't stay over here, I'll change sides. I'll be removed. See, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I get confused. I, I just really honestly, I get confused sometimes looking at believers and I'm wondering which team are they playing for? Because what have you got? Write these down. Here's the four dangers that'll cause you to change sides diversion. Derailment, dilution, discouragement. Diversion, diverted. You just get, you get distracted. You, all you have to do to get off, the, off here and off course is just get distracted. Get your eyes off Jesus. Anything. Jesus doesn't, uh, get your eye, Satan doesn't care what you get your eyes on as long as it's not Jesus. Can I just submit to you, too, that some of you got your eyes on the church, and you need to get your eyes off the church. The church is not your savior. Quit getting your eyes on the church. Get your eyes on Jesus. It'll divert your attention. Derailment. Derailment's when you go off the rails. Derailment. There are rails we run on. There are rails that this thing runs on, and you know, as powerful as a locomotion is, if the locomotion gets off the track, it's not going anywhere. They have like 50 million horsepower in these loco. Uh, not really, that's a preacher talk. I mean, but it's like huge amounts of horsepower in a locomotion. But if it gets off the track, it's not going anywhere. There's derailment, there's dilution. When things get watered down, so today we have watered things down. We've tried to make everything seeker-friendly and palatable for everybody. We want God to be, we want you to be comfortable around God. So everybody close your eyes and be real quiet. Don't anybody, sh- don't anybody say anything, don't shout, don't dance. Don't do any of that because you'll make somebody uncomfortable. I mean, all those things, God, the Bible says... Shout. The Bible says dance. The Bible says clap. The Bible says sing. You say, well, I don't sing very good. I know you don't. I've heard you. (laughs) But he didn't say sing if you're good. He just said sing and make a joyful noise. For some of you, it's more noise than others. 
But it doesn't matter. God's not listening to the tonal quality. He's looking at your heart. <laughs> but we dilute it down. We want, we want this to be palatable. To, you know what? Our walk with God is our walk with God. I want to give you space and permission to walk out your salvation. Walk out your callings, your gifts. You don't have to be like me. You don't. You don't have to be like me. And I don't have to be like you. But, but there's room for, for the beauty and the, and the diversity. And I know, I know, I, I just hope we would not dilute it down. And then there's discouragement. This is a huge one. Paul said to hold up the shield of faith because that shield of faith is what keeps you from the fiery darts of the enemy. Satan's fiery darts are discouragement. Discouragement. Most of the, our walk with God, if you remember the chart, most of, the, most of us get plateaued over discouragement. I'm trying to do right, Pastor Mike, and I just keep getting slapped. Keep your shield up. Keep your faith up. It'll quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Are you with me? I'm not sure y'all with me. I'm going to close with this. Just sit tight one second. When I say close, this is my first closing. <laughs> so if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Genesis 26. The Lord gave me this. This week, I want to give it, I want to share it with you today because I have shared it with, I have shared it with our elders, the pastoral staff, I shared it with our leaders. God spoke to me and said that there was, there was a real need for us to get zeroed in on this right now. And so I'm just going to lay this on you and, and um, because I think this is why a lot, of, a lot of you have plateaued. A lot of you are stuck because of this right here. If you read this 26th chapter, which I don't have time, but it's a powerful, great chapter. And it's when Isaac, if you go to, if, I'm going to read out of Genesis 26, 12. It says, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Isaac was walking under the Abrahamic covenant. And here's how, you know, being, being the son of Abraham, Abraham's blessing got passed on to his sons and his son's sons. And Abraham, you know, his life was blessed and prospered. But now comes Isaac, and Isaac is blessing, or getting blessed, and his, his flocks are growing, his, his, his possessions are growing, and it says he sowed and reaped a same year a hundredfold, because that's the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow, and so Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions, flocks, possessions of herds, and great number of servants. Now listen to this. So the Philistines envied him. 
So God was blessing him and his enemies were envying him. It was obvious the hand of God was on him. He was growing, his flocks were growing, his herds were growing, his fields were growing. And the Philistines envy him. This, listen to me, church. This is how God's blessing works. It always has, you always got to watch the tail come, coming back. Because many times the blessing of God has a, has a whiplash because people will envy it. Now, verse 15, it says, Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they filled them with earth. That these wells were important to the sustaining of the flocks. You needed water. You had to have water to have great flocks. You had to have a lot of water. So they dug these wells, and these wells provided water to keep the uh, flocks alive, and, and, uh, and you need water. Every one of us need water. And so they stopped up these wells. Again, here's another attack. So not only do the, do the, Phil, the Philistines envy him, and now they've strategized to try to stop up the well. The wells of salvation, the thing that would keep the flocks saved, keep them alive, keep them vital, keep them moving, is the wells. And so Abraham had already dug these wells. The Philistines had filled them in. And Abraham, uh, although they, technically the wells belonged to him, the Philistines attacked these wells and filled them up. Then verse 17, then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerer and dwelt there. And now look at this. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. I just want to tell you prophetically, we're coming up on a year when we started digging the wells of our fathers once again here, Friday night is going to be a prayer meeting that starts at 7 o'clock and goes to whenever we're done. I can't tell you the number of prophetic words that God has given to us about the work that's being done here. One, we, when Paul and Adele and Brenda and Mark and me and Terry went to Dallas. We met a guy we had never even met, didn't know. He didn't know us, didn't know who we were, didn't know what we were, didn't know where we came from, walked up to us and said, God spoke to me and said, you are, you are digging the wells deep and you have been pounding the ground with prayer. Hang in there. God is going to answer the prayer that you are praying, something to that effect. We have it all written down. It's, uh, but, but, the, and, and so I, but that's just one of many things that we have been digging. We have been digging at these wells. We have been pounding the ground. What you're seeing. You know, I was talking to somebody at, at Bishop's funeral the other day, which was Thursday, and, and I, I saw lots of pastors there and, and, and reacquainted with pastors I hadn't seen for a while. And I even got the honor to speak for a, a few minutes at the Bishop's funeral. It was a place was packed. He was a greatly honored and loved man and, and it was a powerful thing. And a man walked up to me and he said, we were talking about what God was up to and he asked me what was going on. And um, he made the comment. He said, you know, Mike, he said, I look back and I see certain times of, 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 of visitation 
And I, I look back now and I realize we were in the middle of a revival and we didn't even know it. And he said, I just want to tell you that you're in the middle of a revival and a lot of your people don't even know what's going on right in your midst. And you see, we're just digging this well, digging this well, digging this well, digging this well, pounding the ground, going after God, going after God. It, 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 it's, 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 it's just what we've been doing. You don't, I really, I want to tell you, I'm not, because you know what? We haven't, it doesn't matter. We, have, we go after God when there's two people there or there's 25 people there. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of you need to wake up because your day of visitation has come and you need not miss it. And so Isaac was digging these wells. Yeah, it was a lot of work because his daddy had dug those wells, but they had filled them in. The enemy had stopped them up. The wells of salvation, they're digging them. I imagine some of them were thinking, man, how much more we got to dig here? How deeper is it? And they just kept digging. They just kept digging. And I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I've asked myself that question. How much more have I got to do with this? And God just keeps saying, keep digging, Mike. Keep digging. It'll be all be worth it. Keep digging. Keep digging. It'll all be worth it. I just keep digging. I'm just going to keep digging, folks. I'm not stopping digging. As long as there's life and breath in me, I'm going to keep digging. Now listen to what it says. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac Herdman, saying, the water is ours. So he called the well Esek because they quarreled with him. You know what the word Esek means in the Hebrew? It means strife. So I want to tell you something. For some of you who have been digging, let me give you, lay this word on you that God laid on me. Get the strife out of your life. Because the strife will cause the well to stay plugged up. When Isaac dug this well and they quarreled with him, Isaac realized there's no way I can, I can maintain this by constant battle, constant strife. I want to tell you something. The enemy is trying to cause strife in you, around you, from people who you're associated with. He's tried to stir up strife from within your own family, and you better especially watch your own family. Strife, strife, strife. Marriages. Because when there's about to be a gusher, and the well's about to break through, one of Satan's main strategies is to get you diverted, distracted, deluded by causing strife to break out in your life and get your attention off what you should be doing and get your attention on all the quarreling and all the strife that's in your life. And Isaac said, I ain't staying here. Get your stuff together, guys. We're all moving. And, it, and look at what it says. It says, verse 21, then they dug another well. Sometimes the best thing to do is just remove yourself from the strife. Say, I'm not going to be a part of that. Just walk away. Just walk away. That's what Isaac did. He just walked away. He said, I don't wanna, I'm not going to fight for this. My daddy had a lot of wells. Let's go find another one. Now in verse 21, it says they dug another well. Everybody say another well. You see, sometimes when you come up against the strife in your life, you just got to dig another well. I want us to say this too. 
getting the strife out of your life isn't necessarily always getting people out. Because sometimes the strife is not in them, it's in you. They dug, they dug another well, verse, I, I, I don't have time to, I wish I did, but we'll go on. Verse 21, then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also, so he called its name Sitna. You know what Sitna means in the Hebrew? It means accusation. You ever notice how when you start making progress in God and you get moving over here into the things of God and God has plucked you out and God has rescued you and God has delivered you that all of a sudden the enemy shows up with some form of accusation? Who does the Bible say is the accuser of the brethren? Satan. His voice of accusation is meant to distract you from the wells of the waters of salvation. And again, because if the devil can get you looking at the guilt and the condemnation and get you as an accusatory voice in your life, he will stop you from moving into the things of God. I just want to break that accusation off of the church's life. You cannot get to where you're going by listening to the enemy's accusation of where you have been. God is not holding your past against you. God took your past and he nailed it to the cross and he said it is finished and it is done and he will never bring it up against you again. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to be like composed. See, I hate the devil. I hate what he's done for people at Sitna because people have dug into this and they all of a sudden start hearing the gurgling of fresh water about to come forth. And then the enemy rises up through something or somebody and he puts a voice of accusation into them. Say, oh, you'll never get there because you remember this, you remember how this, remember what this, remember that. And he puts the voice of accusation in you to try to stop up what you're doing. So get the accusation out of your life. You got to find out who you are in Christ Jesus. Don't listen to the devil tell you. Why are you listening to the devil tell you who you are? Listen to what God says about you. For I've created you. I've redeemed you. I've called you by a new name. You're special. You're the apple of my eye. I love you. Then the third well, verse 22. And here's where I'm going to close today. And he moved from there and dug another well. See, Isaac wasn't going to try to, he wasn't going to stay in these places. You cannot stay in strife. You cannot stay in accusation. You got to keep moving. Everybody say, keep moving. Listen to me, church. We cannot stay in accusation. We cannot stay in strife. Keep moving. Look at your neighbor and say, keep moving. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, keep moving. You hear what the Lord is saying to us today? The Lord is saying, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Because here's what Rehoboth says. Verse 22, let me read this and I'm going to quit. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. They did not quarrel over it. They did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. 
It took them three wells to get there, but they finally got there, and they named that place Rehoboth. You know what the word Rehoboth means in the Hebrew? It means a broad place. A broad place. You see, that's what it meant in, in the verse. It says, we called the name of Rehoboth because the Lord made room for us. The idea that there was room for us. There was room for our flocks. There was room to grow. There was room to live. There was room to move. There was room to have our being. That's what Jesus did when he brought you into his, his life and his salvation. He brings you into Rehoboth. That means the Lord makes room for you. Many of you have been crushed over here. You've been hemmed in. You've been pressured. You've been forced into things you didn't want to do. I want to tell you some of you are fighting between a, what we would call a rock and a hard place because you're letting the devil called the shots because of the strife and the accusation. And God says today, if you'll hear my voice, I'm going to move you out of, I'm going to move you out of Sitna. I'm going to move you out of Esek. I'm going to move you out of that place. And I'm going to bring you to Rehoboth. I'm going to bring you into a wide place. I'm going to bring you where you, there's room for you. There's room to grow. There's room to move. There's room to breathe. There's room for you to live. There's room for you to stand up and say, glory to God. I'm out of here, devil. I'm going to the other side. Stand up with me. Hallelujah. I feel God all over it. I feel God all over it. I want to declare over you today, it's time for you to move from Sitna. How many of you have some strife in your world that you need to silence? How many of you got some strife-filled situations you're facing? Come on, raise your hand. Fa raise your hand. Father, you see every hand. Lord Jesus, you said, my peace I give unto you. Lord, you didn't call us to be peacekeepers. You called us to be peacemakers. <laughs> Father, I bind strife off of people's lives right now. I bind strife that is in people right now. I bind that foul spirit that causes people to rise up in, 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 in a contrariness, in, a, in, in, in an opposition God, I bind that in the name of Jesus, and I loose the spirit of Christ who is meek and of a quiet spirit. God, I'm going I'm to put strife out of my life. You say, Pastor Mike, why, why are you going there? Because we've got to walk in what God has called us to walk in. We have got to get to Rehoboth. Would you say amen? You say, why would you bring that up? That's so uncomfortable. Because it's something we're all facing. That's why God spoke it to me. He spoke it to me Monday as clear as day. You know why God spoke it to me on Monday? Because Sunday I got into it with my wife. And I looked and I realized this is not, this is not, I've been married 43 years. You know what we were fighting over? Water. 
She bought smart water. And I said, that's stupid. I should have kept my mouth shut. And then I realized, devil, what are you doing? You th- I'm not falling for that. And God just spoke to me. He said, Mike, it's so important that you stay strife-free. Because the freer you are from strife, the more clear you can hear God as he directs you which wells to uncover. Wow. And then this whole accusation thing. I've been meeting with so many people and the devil is, the devil is beating people's brains out with past accusation. Are you with me? And I want you to know it's time to put a stop to it. You need to put the devil right where God says to put him. You know where that is? Under your feet. And God's going to lead you into a wide open place. All right. Put your hand on your heart. You see what needs to happen here today, first and foremost, is an inside job. Deliverance is an inside job. It's not so much what happens around you, it's what happens in you. Can you say amen? Father, I pray for every heart today that will receive an inside job. That you'll deal with the strife in us. The strife that's around us. The strife that's trying to come against us. I pray God for breakthrough in the area of accusation. The people will find out who they are and who you've called them to be. And Father, I pray today that you'll lead people to Rehoboth, where there's no more quarreling. The battle's over. The victory's won. No more fighting. There's room for us. There's room for us in Rehoboth. That's what salvation is. That's what will break us out of our plateau, oh God, is when strife is put away. Our anger, our frustration is dealt with. Our accusation, our guilt, our condemnation, our shame is broken off of us. I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart that's living under shame and guilt and condemnation. No more condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walked out after the flesh but after the Spirit. I'm going to invite our ministry team, our elders, our pastoral team to come to the altar. Our prayer team who's here for ministry at the altar to come right now. If you need some prayer today, if you need some agreement, you want to get hands laid on you because the Bible says, the Bible says to confess your sins one to another. 
If you've been walking in strife, you've been given over to condemnation and accusation, just confess it. Say, Lord, I want to be cleansed. I want to be released from it. I want freedom. If you need, you need to receive in your heart this freedom, this, you need to be plucked out. You need to be rescued. I want you to come this morning. I want you to come right now. Don't hesitate. You don't have to bow your heads. Everybody's going to see. Everybody will see. doesn't matter what they see. It's what you experience today. I want you to come. Come on. I want you to come. If you've got accusations that you've been fighting, guilt, condemnation, if you've been fighting strife and strife has been trying to break into your life, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to get free today. I want you to submit, Lord, to the Lord's freedom, to the Lord's purpose, to the Lord's calling in your life today. Father, I just pray as we release people today, we release them in the name and through the blood of Jesus and to the word of your power. I pray, God, that you'll lead every one of them to Rehoboth, a wide open place. Break us from the strife and from the chains of the enemy, O oh God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.